Welcome to the Codcast. My name is Bruce Mole of Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined by the President of the Massachusetts Senate, Karen Spilka. Welcome, Madam President. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to see you, hear you. Thank you. So give us a sense of your routine these days as Senate President. Are you working mostly from home? Are you in the office? Or where do you go every day? Uh, well, I get up. I was a, a labor and employment attorney before being a legislator, arbitrator, mediator. So I was self-employed. I had my own small business, by the way. Um, and so more often than not, I wake up in the morning and I'm sitting at my desk here at home by 8, 830. Um, and I'm usually sitting here till 8, 830 <laughs> at night. Uh, very often back-to-back -back calls, Zoom meetings. Um, often just zipping in to grab a quick bite to eat, uh, but, but just working. And then on days where we have formal sessions and sometimes other days, I went in, I, I go in, I, uh, yesterday I was in the state house, I went in for the uh, pride flag raising. That was a, a notable event and exciting. Um, I went in for the press conference or of the uh, elected officials of color. I thought it was important for me to stand uh, by them in support. Uh, so there are some days that I do, go, I go in, but um, I can work very easily at my home here. And as you see, we can see everybody. I think, you know, Zoom is going to be the, the new thing of the future. I think you're right. So let me ask you this, until just recently, and, and it's still ongoing, there's no question about that, state officials like yourselves have been sort of focused on COVID-19 and then came along police brutality, all on top of all the regular stuff that the legislature's doing. But we're entering a period where it seems like uh, you're gonna start to have to focus on something that you normally would be doing right at this moment in normal years, which is the budget. Um, and I, I just want to get a sense of you from you about uh, how you see our financial picture as a state right now. Um, I know it's still a little bit early. The governor says he wants to see what happens on July 15th when people submit their tax returns. But how bad is it in your opinion? Well, you know, it, it's hard to know, to be honest with you. Uh, estimates of the quote experts uh, a month or two ago had the state down up to $6 billion. Um, we will, we, as you know, we did delay our income taxes from April 15th to July 15th. So we'll get a better idea as to uh, where we're at on state revenue. But so much of what we need to focus on also is what happens on the federal level. For example, um, back in 09 and 10, when we had our last major recession, we, we had to cut some local aid to our communities, but we were able to level fund chapter 70, the education funding of all of our school districts, because the federal government ended up uh, giving us a billion dollars, you know, then because all states were struggling at that point in time. Um, if they do that again, the, the, they have already given us close to 3 billion. So, and that was under the CARES Act. 
So depending upon what they do, and I have to think they will be doing something. I speak regularly to Senators Markey, Senator Warren, Congressman Neal, uh, whose ways and means in the House and others there. Uh, and it, this is not a red state issue or blue state issue. This is an every single state issue. All are struggling. We need to balance our budget. Our municipalities need to balance theirs. But the federal government can issue debt. They do not need to, and they can print money. You know, we the state house clearly does not have a printing press in our basement. So, you know, it is um, hopefully more likely than not that they will do another major stimulus bill. And the talk about that is anywhere from another three billion all the way. If we did the, if they did the Heroes Act that the House passed we would get up to $10 billion to help our residents, help our municipalities, help our businesses. So, you know, it's hard to know. And I have to think that they will do something, hopefully this summer, July, um, or at least give a better indication as to what they will do. So, you know, I, I have been pushing, the Senate has been pushing for some sort of local aid agreement so that at least we can let our cities and towns know what is the bottom line that the state will be giving to our municipalities. Uh, we know they have town meeting, the cities need to do their budget. So we need to let them know the bottom line, what can they bank on? And then if we get more in federal aid, we would I would certainly push to do even more. And how do you think um, the legislature will craft a budget this year? Do you think you'll continue to do separate budgets and then reconcile them? Or do you think you'll try to do a joint budget? Um, I'm hoping a joint budget. I have said from the outset of the COVID-19 pandemic, that unprecedented times, and I believe we are in, not only as a state, but a nation and as a world, unprecedented times. I do believe that unprecedented times require unprecedented solutions. We don't have the luxury of the House doing its own budget, and then the month later, the Senate doing their but our budget, and then you know taking weeks for a conference committee. I know that the uh, two chairs, uh, Chair of Senate Ways and Means, Mike Rodericks, the Chair of House Ways and Means, Aaron Michaelowitz, have been working very closely together, meeting regularly to talk about budget. And that alone is unprecedented. But on top of that, they have been in direct and, and close communication with the Secretary of Administration and Finance, Mike Heffernan. We need to work together for the people of Massachusetts to get this done and get it done to the best we can. Have you gotten, it sort of sounds like that's where you want to go, but is everybody on board doing that at this point or is it still a little bit up in the air? Um, the Senate and the House and the Secretary have been meeting on a weekly basis talking about budget together. Okay. So, you know, I, and I think that going forward, that is what we, we hopefully will do. Uh, and we were together on the 112th budget that we passed in close communication with the governor and this again, the Secretary of Administration and Finance. Uh, again, we need to be together for the people. This is not a time for game playing or, or uh, you know, this is a time for just rolling up our sleeves and getting the job done. So um, 
just before COVID hit, the House passed a transportation funding legislation. And um, so when COVID hit and everything slowed down, there was a lot of talk that it's not a time to raise taxes and that sort of went quiet for a little while. Uh, but now you, I'm starting to hear people in the House saying, well, maybe we need to do something along those lines. We've taken a vote, maybe the Senate should take a vote. And advocates are now piping up as well saying, transportation needs more funding. Is that on the table or off the table, do you think, in the Senate? Um, I just want to say that we shouldn't be taking votes just because one branch has already taken a vote. We, you know, we need to look at all the facts and circumstances before us. As you mentioned, uh, the House did that pre-COVID. They took, they did an $18 billion bond bill, which was a record amount of transportation bonding. That would be about three and a half, at least three and a half billion a year. That would take a little bit for the transportation folks to, to gear up, even to get that amount done, okay, so of, of three and a half billion a year. Um, so the House did the bond bill. I, the Senate intends to get that $18 billion bond bill before the month of July is through. Um, and in terms of the revenue, they did that before COVID hit. So, you know, the, there are several factors that I think we need to look at. Uh, the reality is, as I mentioned, in terms of making not only an informed budget decision, but an informed tax decision, we need to look at the upcoming federal action and how much the federal government helps us out as a state. Some people, you, you mentioned you know, the tax vote for transportation. Some people are saying if we don't get the money, you know, we should raise taxes for the education, for services, for other things. But if, again, if the federal government steps up to the plate and Massachusetts gets three, four, five billion dollars, that changes the picture, okay? We still have a record unemployment at 15%, over 15%, higher than it's been in decades. So I'm not saying we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. I think it's a little premature, you know, and I just wanna point out that you don't have to look far back to remember that the Senate protected the state from losing tax revenue by standing firm against a corporate tax break um, just a few months in December before the pandemic, where we did our final closeout budget, uh, we stood firm and said no, because that would have given a tax break, a large tax break to the multi-million dollar corporations. We said no. I have uh, formed the Revenue Working Group. I'm working closely with Senator Adam Hines, along with others, to take a look. Um, and I, so I think it's, it's more than just an easy yes or no answer, but no, uh, no decision has been made yet. So just so, so I understand clearly what you're saying, you sort of sound like if the feds come through with the chunk of money you're hoping for, that the state might be back to, in terms of revenue, might be back to somewhere in the neighborhood of where it would like to be, if I'm understanding you correctly. You don't know, obviously, for, you don't know. Yes, for a budget and for possibly other things. Um, you know, in the past, the federal government 
has done stimulus bills for transportation. If you remember uh, back in 09 and 10, there were the ARA bills where they, they we, the Massachusetts got specific funding for, if you remember the phrase shovel ready, that was a really big phrase then for, for transportation projects and others that were shovel ready, you know, that, that could happen. I just think, you know, that coupled with a 50, over 15% unemployment rate we need to look at it and we need to, to look at what are the overall needs of, of the residents of our commonwealth, of our municipalities, of our businesses, of our communities. I wanted to ask you about something that might be important to the constituents you personally represent. Um, the state is now trying to figure out this uh, I-90. Um, I had a feeling you were gonna ask that <laughs> when you said that, yes. So this is something that affects commuters from the West pretty dramatically, I-90 Austin yeah. exchange. And there's a lot of talk about the design of a viaduct and how much this is gonna cost and the impact it's gonna have. It's gonna last maybe six years of construction. Is this something that's very high on your radar screen? And are you, do you have an opinion about what should be done or are you pretty much hands off until the process completes itself? High up on my radar, absolutely yes. Do I have an opinion? Oh, yes. Um, is it on my radar? Front and center. Um, the issue of transportation, transportation funding, tolls, there, there are very few other issues that can get my blood boiling as quickly as these issues. So yes, I have been very actively involved. And in fact, this week, uh, I think it was Monday um, before the secretary uh, uh, in, you know, met with her, the boards, um, she and I talked about, about what she was going to propose. Uh, the proposals can go from anywhere from six years to 10 years. It would dramatically, dramatically disrupt the commute from the Metro West, whether you be driving in in the morning, afternoon, night, it would knock off a lane for the longest time, potentially knock down one of the commuter rail tracks for part of the time as well. Um, and there's very little other, there are a few other options to get in. Uh, Route nine is a possibility. And I've mentioned if this was gonna go forward, the state should look at Route 9. It floods. You get a mild rain. It doesn't even have to be a monsoon rain. You get a mild rain. It floods in Framingham. You can't drive through a, a flood. I mean, if you've tried it, um, not good for the car. So, uh, yes. Um, so, it is front and center. And I keep on saying, I, I, I do agree that we need to invest in our transportation infrastructure. But we need to focus on changing policy to take so that people take more public transportation out of their cars, um, off of the roads, and into public transportation. So we need to improve the, the Framingham commuter line beforehand, if it, whatever ends up being thought of. Um, we need to do that so that it's safe, effective, more frequent. You can go for hours during the day, and there's no lines, no trains coming back or forward, I mean, which is ridiculous. We need to ensure that mitigation is built into the plan, whatever that plan is. It can't be an afterthought, because if it's an afterthought, then it's too, I'll be, we'll be told it's too late to make changes to the plan. 
it has to be an ongoing piece of the design, the engineering, and not wait for after a decision is made. That should be a part of what is the best choice in the final decision. There has to be a discussion about financing. The Metro West and Central Mass and, and have, have been paying tolls. This I heard when I first became a state rep, I hear it still, the refrain, we were told that the you pay for the pike once the pike was paid for, Decades ago, the tolls would come down. I realize that hasn't happened, but the state keeps on get taking out new bonds and putting the tolls as part of the collateral. We can't keep doing that. My, my, I believe if tolls are such a good way to pay for roads and bridges, you know, some of the bridges that, that are the only bridge, there's just a couple of bridges in Massachusetts, then it should be fair and equitably done across the state. If that is one, if you use a bridge, you use a road, let everybody, if we're not gonna make it equitable and fair, then we should still consider taking down the tolls. And by gosh, we should not be increasing the tolls because of the Alston-Brighton interchange, multimodal interchange. We should be looking at Harvard who will benefit. We should be looking at others who will benefit and other ways and federal money, but I, I will not, uh, I, I just won't allow a, a toll increase just on the turnpike um, or th that road uh, because of it. So there's lots of issues and uh, I, I will stay on top of it and vigilant um, and fight it if need be. And do you have any preference about the redesign of that interchange right now? You know, I'm not an engineer, but um, but I, I definitely, I want it to be safe. That is the, the first and foremost issue. I want it to be safe and we do need to do work on it to make it safe for the future. Uh, I, I certainly um, am not in, thrilled about the prospects of a 10 year project in that area. I remember the whole big dig and how that dragged on and on and on and all that was involved. Um, I, I think, you know, again, as a non-engineer, somebody who doesn't look at it in that way, the thought of switching the pike, putting the pike where Starro is and the Starro Drive where the pike is, doesn't seem to make sense to me. If you have the major roads there already and they're gonna be going basically in the same way, I think we do need to be really aware of environmental concerns though, um, from the Charles River and other areas. It is a small area that has a lot going on. So uh, again, I think um, that there should be continued debate and discussion. And I think that people are doing that. And this toll equity issue you raise, is that something for the distant future or is that for the something you wanna address so I've been addressing it since I was a state rep. We helped, you know, working with my colleagues when other when other tolls were bound to go up, slated to go up, we fought it. And then, you know, and, and another time we fought when some of the tolls were uh, proposed to be used for some of the roads around the turnpike, we pushed that back and, and put in a clause in law that the tolls can only be used for the road that is being tolled. So, you know, I think that we've made some progress, if you want to call that progress, but I will find progress when we have tolls 
if we're going to keep these tolls, to me, progress would be tolls at the border. We pay tolls when we go into New Hampshire, you know, right. and, and again, for the, this should be a fair and equitable system and it is not right now. So, um, uh, you were talking about the House and Senate and the administration working together to address budget issues. Uh, yesterday, we, at the end of the session, um, Senator Friedman was talking about some friction that apparently exists in the uh, healthcare finance, joint healthcare finance committee. A difference of opinion about how bills should come out and whether they should return to the Senate or, or what. Are you familiar with that dispute? And if so, is this a hearkening back to what your predecessor as Senate president back, I think in 2015 was upset about where the House sort of has the numbers on a lot of these joint committees and the Senate bills sort of can languish there? Or is that, a, is that an issue? Um, you know, as you noted, this goes back for years and, and you know, even before when uh, the prior, Stan Rosenberg was president. Um, it's the fact of the matter, you know, legislating is sausage making. You know, we did change the rules, we believe, uh, during that time period so that House bills would end up going to the House and Senate bills would go to the Senate. That way, if the House wanted to do their bill, they're, they're welcome to it. And we believe if the Senate wants to do our bill, we should have that same opportunity. But, you know, the process can take so many different forms. Um, you know, it is like sausage making. Sometimes bills start, you know, and filed in the House. Sometimes they're filed in the Senate. Sometimes they're popped up out of ways and means. Um, the restaurant bill the House did recently did not go through the committee process. It came popped up out of ways and means. You know, we've done that with some of our bills. The both branches sometimes want to get something through and they, you know, they take another bill or we do it. My feeling is we shouldn't be focused so much on process. We should be focused on substance and getting the work done for the people of Massachusetts. You know, I think that that is what is so important. You know, I think that uh, good policy, getting good policy done, getting bills through, we have focused on uh, some, I believe, really good policy in, in the uh, fall before we took vacation or recess during the, the winter, uh, you know, part of December. The Senate passed a terrific prescription drug bill to lower the cost of prescription drugs. If you think about it, you know, that bill would make um, monthly cost for insulin max out at $25. That is revolutionary. Do you know for how many people insulin is like water for us? They absolutely need it. We need to get that bill done. We did a fantastic bill in February on mental health access to, you know, cutting down the barriers, finally getting to parity for mental health versus physical health. If we, if we pass that bill, hopefully we will, Massachusetts would be at the forefront of parity in mental health care, getting rid of the stigma. We would really be the national leader. We can't wait on that. And if anything, you know, I know you mentioned we focused on COVID-19 bills, but COVID-19 has, has brought to the forefront, so because of we're all working at home, 
isolating people, you know, depression has skyrocketed. There's so much that is going on. Um, and that's why the telehealth bill, the third, the trifecta of our healthcare bills, the third one um, we did yesterday. Uh, but mental health is, is important. Yesterday, we, we did the Patients First Act. Senator Friedman did a terrific job on that as well. Um, and we uh, did te made telehealth permanent. So many people have said, uh, you know, to, to me, to all, that we can't go backwards on that, that for so many people, when they had no access to get to a doctor's office or to, to reach the doctor, that this telehealth was important during this COVID. The Senate has passed it before. The governor did it as a uh, executive order and we can't, we just can't go backwards. So I think that um, that's really important. To me, we did climate change in January. We, we uh, um, did a terrific climate change bill uh, that the hallmark part of it was net zero to 2050. I'm hoping that we can get a climate change bill on the governor's desk before the session is over. So we have five weeks left and you know, as well as I do, five weeks in a legislative session is an eternity. You can get a lot done when there's the will and that is what my colleagues and I in the Senate are focusing on. So one last question and then I'll let you go. I just am curious, you're a lawyer, you, you may have paid attention to this. The governor declared all these emergencies under the authority of the Civil Defense Act. And there's been some bubbling of opinions about whether he really has the authority under that law to, to make these sweeping moves. The legislature hasn't challenged his authority, but I'm just curious, do you think he has the authority that he has, needs to do all these things under that law? You know, again, that is focusing on process right now, Bruce. And I realize, you know, right now, I think the governor, the speaker, Senate president, we talk at usually twice a week. We have meetings. We talk about what's upcoming. We talk about what how things are going. Um, there have not been many surprises at all. So, you know, I think the bottom line is we are working well together. And it shows we have made great strides despite going through the worst pandemic in decades. Our COVID-19 numbers are down. We struggled at first, they're down. We are one of four states in the country that has, has it Knock, knock on wood, because I'm superstitious, under control. Doesn't that, isn't that what really counts and matters? You know, so again, going back to legislation, you know, the process, it's sausage making. There's so many different ways to get things through the floor that let's focus. And I know that's what Cindy Friedman has been focusing on. She's had a very successful uh, session with the uh, Patients First Act yesterday, the prescription drugs. She worked closely with Senator Sear on that terrific uh, mental health bill. Um, you know, we've done a lot of good bills, and this this one yesterday, 
Part of it was COVID related because it's some uh, scope of practice issues, some telehealth. We did, we ended up doing a um, study to look at, you know, our healthcare system. Does it align with the needs, particularly in light of COVID? So, uh, and we're going to do a, a bond bill. Uh, we're releasing a general government bond bill today. We're doing a supplemental budget next week. We'll do that bond bill. We're working on racial justice. You know, I, I quickly formed a working group on racial justice, co-chaired by, by um, Senator Chang Diaz and Will Brownsberger. They have met so many times. In fact, this week they had a six-hour session. So they're clearly working really hard and they're working on issues uh, around police officers' standards and training, accountability, uh, the duty to intervene, excessive use of force, and other areas. Uh, we want to get this right. Uh, the, ver the Senate's very serious about getting something meaningful done in the coming weeks and working with this, the House. Um, I appointed the diversity task force members. We passed a bill to for data collection and creating a diversity task force. I'm proud that I announced my selections of members earlier in the week. I'm looking forward uh, to the other appointments so that they can start meeting and getting their work done. So there's a lot going on that I think, uh, you know, we have five weeks we can get so much more done if we just focus and concentrate. Madam President, it sounds like you do have a lot on your plate. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's exciting. It's exciting. And can I just lastly say, I want to thanks to all the journalists and folks involved for helping getting the word out. But I also want to thank the, the Senate members and all of the Senate staff who have really stepped up to the plate, worked so hard over these last few months. Constituent Services has, has just skyrocketed like I've never seen before. And staff are all working so hard to meet the needs of the residents and the folks. And, and I just want to publicly thank them for that. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week.